You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. All right. I got some pictures of the uh, chili cook-off. Uh, that's uh, the uh, winning chili from Eric Nakamoto. Uh, so, Eric, congratulations. I had to kind of edit out the uh, the title of the chili there, but anyways, but the chili was good. And then uh, that's a picture of all the winners. Uh, so congratulations to all the winners as well. How did Eric Nakamoto win the chili contest? That's, that's what's been going through my mind, okay? So some pictures, some cool pictures there. Mr. Tubbs himself. I was thinking if there was one person that I would pick to look like Mr. Chili... That would be him. I mean, he looks like Mr. Chili and with his little wife in the background there. It's perfect. All right. Uh, we've been talking uh, this whole month about spiritual formation. I want to get into that. But I want to thank a couple of people as well. And uh, that's Rob Hanna. Rob, are you in town today? There you go. Rob, why don't you stand on up, Rob? While John was away on his Greek holiday... Uh, he had a great time. I saw pictures. I uh, appreciate Rob. Rob and John are working together on our services on Sunday, and I appreciate Rob taking over when John was gone and really took care of that service as well. So, Rob, thank you so much for doing that. All right, I feel like the Oscars, right? I think we're done. Okay, I think we're done. Thank you, everybody. All right, so um, we've been working on spiritual formation, okay? What I appreciate about our communion is that we focus for communion totally on Jesus. That's, that's like laser beam focus on Jesus. That's what communion is. That's what we focus on what Jesus did on the cross and his work on the cross that freed us from our sins. So as Christians, you know, what is the biggest benefit of being a Christian is that we believe that the greatest scourge in human history, which is our sin that separates us from God, is taken care of by Jesus. I appreciate what Shireen shared about today. You know, that, that's what it's all about, is that I am a recipient, and, and, and uh, Kenny alluded to that as well. Freely I've been given, I've been given my salvation. So that, foremost, is the most important thing that we talk about in terms of the communion itself, what Jesus did for us, his body uh, on the cross, his blood shed to wash our sins away. So that's what communion is. And I appreciate the different ways that we try to go about in exhibiting that. You know, I appreciate, I always appreciate Mark Shaw when he does the communion. I learn something new every time. I'm touching something, you know, I'm touching the, the ribbon last week. I'm like, mm, okay. Or I get, I get a taste of, of, of some visual to, to really help us to understand, which is great. The second part of what Kenny said was that, you know, because I've been freely given to, it's my turn to give back, to give back to our community, to give back to each other. So the second part about what's great about being a Christian is this, that I actually get to give back, but I actually get to continually be given to, like what Shireen talked about, that Jesus continued to give to us 
besides our salvation, we get a chance to grow and to change. To grow and to change. This past week, I celebrated my 49th birthday. This is my last year in the 40s. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm okay, you know, but I think in my 50s, I'm going to, when my 50th birthday, you might not see me for a couple of days. I don't know. I'm thinking about that. But it's exciting, though. It's exciting to think that in my 40s and into my 50s, I can still grow and I can still change until the day that I die. If I remain on the vine, that's Christian talk for sticking around with Jesus, I'll never get old in that sense. I will always uh, be renewed. And I was thinking about that song by John Mellencamp. Hold on to 16 times 3 as long as you can. You know, it's like, I'm going to hold on to 49 as long as I can. But spiritual formation is about us. It's about what God is doing in our lives. It's the excitement of growing and changing and being a new person and becoming more and more like Christ every day. I don't know about you. That gets me fired up. I want to be more like Christ. I want to grow and I want to change. I do not want to get stuck. That is my greatest fear, to be honest with you. Not even the age or the birthdays, but my greatest fear is being stuck. Just, just, just stuck and hold on until the end. So that's why we have spiritual formation, until Christ is formed in us. You know, we've talked about several different things, and today, November 1st, we're talking about crucial conversations and what role does that play in our spiritual formation? Crucial conversations, okay? How many of us like to have crucial conversations? Maybe a few people. Some of you guys are like really into it. Let me show, let me see the hands again. Okay, okay, Karen Shaw, I'm not surprised, I'm not surprised. Uh, <laughs> but for the most thing, Karen, <laughs> Catherine Shump, not surprised, not surprised. But for a lot of us, it's uncomfortable. I don't like it. It's hard. Crucial conversations are uncomfortable. You know, uh, we like, you know, like just take it easy. You know, let's just all get along. You know, the crucial conversation, let's just do that once a year or something. But we look in scriptures and we see crucial conversations go on all the time. And it's not like, you know, what Shireen shares. She says, I, I have this view of God that, you know, he was angry at me all the time. And that's just simply not true. That's not true. Crucial conversations in the Bible comes in different shapes and sizes and forms. And yes, sometimes does God get mad at us? Absolutely. But there are times when he, the Bible says what? He stoops down to make us great. A God that stoops down. I mean, think about it. He becomes man himself. He's also known as one of the titles of Jesus is what? He is the son of man. He chose to identify himself with us. And not only just identity, like he lives in this big castle and parse out every once in a while some, some letters and stuff. No, he, he didn't do that. He walked with us 2,000 years ago and he died and he showed us uh, what it means to live for God. So today we're going to look at this element of spiritual formation, and that's crucial conversation. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful to you.
that, uh, God, you love us. We're so grateful to you that you don't give up on us. We're so grateful to you that, uh, God, you speak to us and you care about us when no one else seems to. And, uh, God, we're so grateful to you. God, help us to be open-hearted. God, that's our purpose, God, here as we worship you, is to open up our hearts wide to your word. God, help us to open our, our hearts wide to one another as well as we learn how to have great conversations with one another, the encouragement, the challenge, and sometimes even the admonishments as well. But help us, God, today to learn about you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this song. It's by Phil Collins. And I realize that uh, Lena knows that uh, during the holidays, I don't know, about you, I get a little melan- melancholy during the holidays. And Lena was noticing that, and I was noticing it too this past week, and it's 40, my 49th birthday maybe, but uh, I was saying, you know, I feel kind of down. I feel kind of sad. And my wife's been married, you know, we've been married for 24 years, and she says, it's the holidays, Ken. You always get a little bit sad during the holidays. It's during the holidays that I begin to think about people, friends that I miss, friends that I don't see anymore throughout the world, but only also people that have passed away. You know, my dad passed away about two years ago. And then yesterday, I was thinking a little bit, I got a little bit, you know, uh, thinking about Scott Achia. And Scott passed away about two months ago. And he's, he was one of my best friends. And honestly, I just haven't really had time to really think deeply about it. You know, so after he passed, we went to Vietnam, uh, Bangkok. That's why I did, did a couple things, came back. And you know, you know how life is. You know, it, it gets you going. But yesterday, I had a moment to think about it, and I got kind of sad. You know, Scott was my age. So I called Pat on the phone, and Pat says, you know, Ken, I actually had a dream about you and Scott. I said, you're kidding me. What did we do? She said that uh, you guys ganged up on somebody and was making fun of somebody. <laughs> I said, well, thank you, you know. Um, thanks for thinking about me. But it got me thinking that, you know, Scott and I were close and we were kind of two peas in a pod. You know, we, we had jokes that only we understood. And I thought about this song that I listened to when I was a teenager. It was by Phil Collins. And it, it really exemplifies how I feel sometimes about the conversations that we need to have together before it's too late. It's from a song. It says, all of my life. He says, all of my life there have been regrets that I didn't do all that I could. Making records upstairs while he was talking about his father while he watched TV downstairs. I didn't spend the time that I should. It's a memory I will live with all of my life. He said, but it's hard to find a way reaching past the goals in front of me while what's important just slips away. It doesn't come back, but I'll be looking all of my life. I feel that way sometimes. I feel... You know, that the important things, the relationships that we have, that if we don't have those conversations that we need to have, that it's, 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 a miss, it's going to be a missed opportunity. I feel that way about my mom, too. My mom's 84, and she's going to have uh, surgery this next week here. I can't be there, but, uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about her in that sense as well. But I love this song so much because it talks about the urgency. Let's, it's hard. It's not easy. But let's do it. Let's do it before it's too late. And that's what I appreciate about God. God stoops down, tries so hard to have these conversations with us. 
Let's open up our hearts. Amen? Crucial conversations. I have two points. Point number one is that in order for us to have great crucial conversations, I have two points. One of them has got to be, it's got to be face-to-face. We live in a world today that is so connected in so many ways. So many ways. You know, CNN did a piece this past month on the pressures on teenagers. And they went to the life of, uh, they they looked at the life of a 13-year-old kid and just the amount of pressure that 13-year-old feels just on social media. Like there are some kids that check their social media a hundred times a day because when they post something, they they, they want to make sure that they get the likes, you know, so that other kids, when they see the pictures, they go, well, okay, well, he's popular or she's popular. There's even an app today that you can buy that can up your likes. I don't know how much it is, but it ups your likes. Maybe we can buy that for the church, but anyway, that's another story. Um, That up your likes, you know, just to, to get people... To like you, this is so much pressure. And we think that we're connected. That's the thing. We think that, you know, we're having, we having these relationships, we're having all these friends. But the Bible says what? Some of these conversations can only happen when it's face to face. There's no substitution. You know, why did Jesus chose 2,000 years ago to make his appearance and not today? Well, I think back then, I mean, they didn't have anything else. They depended on this face-to-face, this basic elementary need that we have together. I care, I'll, I'll bet you, I don't know the studies, I'll bet you there are people that are today, despite all the media, despite all the connections, that are totally lonely today, that are isolated today. It can only be solved by rudimentary needs that we need to have, which is getting together face to face. Amen? You know, we've been working out of the book of Galatians. And um, we come to this point here when Paul was writing to the church in Galatia and he was referencing, referencing this incident that happened between him and Peter, another apostle. And we're going to read together. It says, when Cephas, who was Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Because he stood condemned, for before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Paul said what? Paul says, listen, when I saw Peter, what had happened in Antioch was that he was being a racist. That's basically what Paul was saying. Paul was saying that you know, he would associate with these guys only when no one else was looking. He wanted to be in the goods with them. But when these people came that were Jewish, came from the church in Jerusalem, came and observed him, he would back away from them and he would not eat with them. So he was pretty much you know, living a double life. And Paul says what? When I saw that, I opposed him to his face. You know, the Bible is pretty straightforward sometimes. We think that the Bible sometimes is, is too much even. But yet we see that it happens because it needs to happen. In our relationship with one another, it, these things, these elements need to happen. 
that there are times when we need to confront each other or see each other to each other's face. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. What did Paul say? Paul says, look, these things have an effect on one another. The quality of our fellowship depends on us getting in, the, in, in there with each other face to face. You know, we look at the scripture here and we go, well, you know, that's one instance. No, it happens throughout the Bible. And although God is God, God is spirit, if you look throughout the scripture, he makes it a point to get with us and get time with us and be with us to really get into our hearts. You know, in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says this, that uh, when man fell, God gave them orders on what to do, what not to do. And when they sinned before God, look what happened in, in Genesis 3. And this is really such an important question. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. This is after the fall of man, in the cool of day. And they hid from the Lord God among uh, uh, cool day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man and said, Where are you? There's a constant call that God wants to call us back and says, Where are you, man? How are you doing? Now, do you think that God knew exactly where they were? Absolutely. It wasn't like God was like, I can't see you, man. Where are you at? God knew exactly and still gave them the opportunity. Where are you? I need you to come out. That is true at the dawn of man. That is true still today. It is not an issue of where God's calling us or not. It's an issue of us. Are we willing to come on out? And really, that's the thread that we're going to be looking at today is as we... Talk about some of these elements. Are we willing to come on out and meet each other face to face? You know, one of the interesting things about social media is that what it does for us is that it makes us brave behind a keyboard. It does, doesn't it? And if you look at anything, any news events or anything like that, you see the trolls and you see all the comments and stuff. It gets nastier and nastier and nastier to a point where you follow it all the way down. It had nothing to do with the article anymore. It was about these people fighting each other. That's why it's so important that we resist that. And as disciples, as brothers and sisters, if we have issues with one another, that we sit down with one another face to face. Amen? That's how we are different than the world, although we are in the world. Amen? God came down from heaven, walked in the garden, and says, Adam, I need to talk to you face to face. I want to ask you what, I know what happened, but I want to hear from your side as well what happened. I want to give you a chance to tell me how you're doing. You know, in 1 Kings chapter 19, we have a great story. Let's turn our Bible there about who God is. And, you know, I appreciate what Shireen shared, that we have this misconception of God sometimes, and we hold on to it, and it's pretty sad, actually, to hold on to that for years and years and years. 
Isn't that sad to, to, have, to, to think that you know someone because of our own story, because of our own experiences, and we superimpose that on God, and yet God says, I'm not like that at all. And if you take the time to get to know me, you're going to find another side of me that you might be pleasantly surprised. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah had gone through a tough time. He fought the, the, he fought the evil forces. I know Star Wars is coming out. And he won. He won. I mean, he cranked. And yet, it did not go all as planned. Can we relate to that? We do everything that we can, and it still doesn't go according to plan. We step out on faith. We say, God, listen, I'm with you. And we realize that, man, once a victory, that's one victory, but it's still, the story keeps on going. And Elijah was so hurt and so disappointed and so depleted that he went literally to his man cave. We're going to read about it. And God had to go into his man cave and draw him out. Okay? First Kings chapter 19. It says in verse 7, it says, The angel of the Lord came back a second time. This is when he ran away. And touched him and says, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him and says, What are you doing in here, Elijah? From the dawn of man till now, to Elijah's time, to our time, God will always ask that question of us. How are you doing? What are you doing? And he gives Elijah this opportunity to tell his story. We all have stories, right? We all have, each one of us, our individual stories of why we are who we are, what we are, what we are. But here's the point. Here's the point. God listens to Elijah. God listens to Adam. But here's the point when we meet God face to face. Are we willing to have God change our story? He tells his story twice and he says, listen, I've been zealous for you. I've done all this. And you know what? It's just not working for me. And he says, I'm all alone. That's what we tell ourselves, right? And even though, is that true? It's not true. But that's our story. And that's what happens when we isolate ourselves. When we isolate ourselves and the only stories that we hear is our own story, it's pretty miserable. And I can tell you this, that it's very, it, is, it is very subjective. It is based on one point of view. And your mother. <laughs> it used to be my wife, but we've been married 24 years. That's gone. It used to be my kids, but they're teenagers now. That's gone too. So it's me and my mother. That's why I'm sad that she's old. Okay? Are we willing to let God change our story? So Elijah tells the story twice, right? And look what happened. It says, and, and God says, listen in verse 11, it says, the Lord says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. What is he doing? He says, look, and I'm coming down. 
to meet you face to face. Then a great and a powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rock before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. That's what I love about God. He shatters all of our preconception or presupposition or whatever pre that we have. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his head. He went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? I tell you this. The greatest joy in being a Christian, although like Jack in, in Titanic, that I can't believe I'm here with you wonderful people. It's, it's a relationship with God. That is, that is if, 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 if we don't have that, there's nothing else. We're fallible, fallen people. If we put our expectation on each other, to give us the joy and give us the, the relationship that we need, we're toast. And we are setting ourselves up for, like, great disappointment and a fall. God came down face to face with Elijah and says, listen, let's talk. And God hears him out, right? He gives the same spiel again. He says, I'm all by myself. No one cares for me. You ever feel that way? I feel that way. No one loves me. No one cares for me. And God changes his story. That's the point about having a relationship with God. God is from above. We're from below. God sees everything. Let God tells us, tell us the true story. And he, he does. In verse 15, he said, you know, and then Elijah said all this. I'm the only one left and all that stuff. Verse 15. The Lord said to him, go back to the way you came. Da-da-da, da-da-da, in verse 17. Jehu will put to death any who escapes the sword of, of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. What did God say? You're not alone. You don't have to do it all by yourself. I'm preparing a guy that's going to be your best friend, Elijah, that's going to have your heart, that's going to share the load with you, and besides him, i got 7,000 other people. You see, when we meet God face to face, we get the spiritual help that we need. And we're not alone. Amen? That's point number one, face to face. You know, David knew God face to face. I love this scripture. He says, I know it's kind of small, I'll read it. He says, for who is God and who is the Lord and who is the rock except for our God? This God is my strong refuge and he has made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer. He set, my, he set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bowl of bronze. It was the Bronze Age, by the way. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your gentleness made me great. I think this is the English Standard Version. The New, American, New International Version says what? 
For you stoop down to make me great. I like this one. For your gentleness made me great. Isn't that cool? God is awesome. Point number two. So when we get together face to face, it needs to be heart to heart as well. I think sometimes we waste a lot of time and not talk about the things that we need to talk about, like the song from Phil Collins. You know, spending my time upstairs playing records while he watched TV downstairs. In the same house, but no conversations going on. So it needs to be face-to-face, but we need to have the crucial conversation that comes with it. And we saw that God does that. Let's do that to one another. That's what's going to mature our church. It's the level and the quality of our relationship and the level and the quality of our conversations with one another. And we're going to take a look and see what that looks like. I think some of us are really good at seeing the problems of other people. That is, I'll be honest with you, I've been a minister for a long time. And I used to think that that is like a special gift from God to see the problems. I realized that that's not really the gift. That's an easy part. Finding a solution to the problems that I see and having the faith to really get down and stoop down and get my hands dirty, that is the key. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 14 says, When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, You are a Jew, but you act like a Gentile, not like a Jew. How is it then that you force the Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? He says, It doesn't make sense. Cephas, he says, You say that you're like this, but what I see is different. It doesn't match. Since I'm 49, I'll use an old joke or an old analogy. When I was growing up, they had TVs that had two, remote, two, two, two tuners. They had a rough tuner, which is like a macro thing, and they have a fine one. First, when your TV is out of blink, you've got to get the big one first, right? It's like, it's like all over the place, and some of you old guys know what I'm talking about. You know, you, you tune it, you get it, and then you do the fine tuning. Okay, You don't do that anymore. But what does Peter being confronted with. Peter's being confronted and says, you're a Christian. You say you're a Christian, but it doesn't match. We need, to, we need to tune you up. That if you say that you're a disciple of Jesus, you've got to start living like a disciple. And even though, Peter, you've got all the credentials, you've been around for a long time, you, as a matter of fact, are an apostle. It doesn't matter. We all need tuning every once in a while. Amen? In John 5, let's take a look there. In John 5, Jesus was meeting this guy who had been in the well for a long time, 38 years to be precise. And apparently there's a legend in this well, the pool of Bethesda, Bethsaida, depends on how you say it. We use it today because I think it's the, it's the National Hospital, right, in Washington, D.C., but that's the naval hospital, hospital. So apparently what happens is that as the pool, as the angel of the pool, legend, according to legend, stirs the water, first one in gets healed. Right? So there's this guy, he wants to get healed. He's been there for a long time. And let's read together in verse 1. 
Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people uh, used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who had been there for thir- an invalid for 38 years, when he saw him, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in that condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Reading it from our modern perspective, we look at Jesus as totally insensitive, did not take a class in cultural sensitivity. <laughs> we would have an attitude. I know, I know. Oh, Jesus, and man, that guy, you know, you know nothing. Didn't say it the right way. Doesn't he know that he's been here for 38 years? He did. He did. As a matter of fact, he took the time to figure it out. Hence the question after the fact, do you want to get well? Well, I'm here, am I? Not good enough. Not good enough. He tells his story. Let's see what happens. Sir, sir, sir. Excuse me. Excuse me. what Gabby does a lot. You know, she's like the little one in the family. So when she talks, she has to feel like she has to fight for it. Dad, dad. Let me explain. The invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. And when the water is stirred, while I am still trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me for 38 years. He had his own story. This one's a little bit more rough when Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. This space could be given to someone else. 38 years, somebody had to feed him for 38 years. Someone had to bathe him for 38 years. Someone had to care for this guy for 38 years? And Jesus says, I think he was kind of mad. My own personal. Pick up your mat and go. I'm done. Pick up your mat and go. Look, we all have our stories. We do. We all have our little tiny violins, you know. (laughs) We're like really good. Really good. (laughs) You know, really good. I tell you what, let God change our story. Amen? Let's say that that's true. It's true. Yeah, but God still can change our story. How do we do that? Well, I think we've got to stop perfecting our stories. I think sometimes we go through life refining, fine-tuning, perfecting our story. And we convince ourselves, no one else, we convince ourselves that that is the true story. And there are some elements. That's what makes it so insidious. You know, Halloween, that's insidious. What makes it insidious is that there's a truth to it. Yeah, there are elements of truth in our story. But that's not the whole story. Let God change our story. Amen? And let each other change our story. Do we love each other to do that for each other? Jesus is not going to come down to your house. But he uses us to do that. Let's do it before it's too late. Let me close out by this. It's humility. It's humility. When's the last time we went up to somebody and say, what do you see in me? You know, I got this situation 
And, and, and I want, can you tell me what you think? What do you see in me? That's what David did. That's why he was so close to God. He says in Psalm 139, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Who changed the Bible? <laughs> it's like, I guess this is the 2011 version. It says, see if there's any offensive way in me. David was so eager. He didn't look outside. He said, what, what, do you, what do you see? Give people a way in. Allow people to say, hey, look, can, can, can I, can, can you, what do you see in me? I got the situation, what do you see in me? What I like about David is that this is what he says, search me and know my heart, my intentions, the deep stuff. And he says, try me and know my thoughts. These are some of the things I was thinking. It's kind of gross, but let me just give it out to you, okay? I, I know it's kind of weird, but let me, just, let me just tell you what I was thinking about this. And David says, lead me to the way everlasting. And we all, who with unveiled faces reflects the Lord's glory, and being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That's what the Spirit is trying to do to us. Is to have crucial conversations with us and to get each other to have great conversations with one another. Amen? Amen. Thank you very much. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.